Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Men Anything. It's me, your host, Emma Wilman. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to plug a couple dates real quick. I am going to be in Chicago, April 4th, 5th, and 6th. And I'm going to be in Nashville at Zanies, Zanies in Chicago and Zanies Nashville, April 7th. Then I'm going to be in Albany, New York, April 12th and 13th. I'm going to be doing the Funny Bone in Ohio, the 19th and 24th. And then I'm going to be in San Francisco, May 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. My mom is actually going to be coming with me to that show. When I got the offer and I forwarded it to her and I said, do you want to come with me to San Francisco? And she said, I do. And now we've had maybe 7,000 conversations about her going, when are we going to San Francisco? Why are we going to San Francisco? How are we getting to San Francisco? But it's going to be a good time. So if you want to meet my mom, come out to that show. Oh, also another one. I'm going to be in LA on May 7th. Netflix is a joke. The tickets for that are not up yet, but I'm going to be doing the side room at the improv. And I really want to, I want to pack it out. It's going to be a good time. They have great chicken wings there as a side note. So if you're into that, if you don't come for me, you can come for the wings. Also, if the wings suck, that means they changed the chef or something. Because last time I was there, it can verify. Very good. Okay, today's episode, I had never spoken with this guest before, but I had met him once years ago. This I met him make eight years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago in Australia. I was doing a festival out there and man, it's just like a thing into like just times changing. Like I remember doing that festival and there's this woman now who's very famous named Hannah Gadsby. She was doing something called a guest spot, which is where like you're not booked on it, but you pop in and they're like, oh yeah, you can come by. She did like a five minute guest spot on this show that I was doing. And I remember she was there like asking to do it. And the host was like, yeah, yeah, you can go up. And I say that to say, I'm not trying to always be bringing things around to comedy, but I say it to say things can change quick. I mean, it's just an amazing thing to see where someone can be and then where they get to. And I just want to inspire something in you. If you're like, man, I want to start a dog walking business, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Just know there can be one moment where you're asking to walk your friend's dog. And then the next couple years, you got 7 million dogs that you're walking, which would be impossible. So this was a bad example, but you get what I'm saying. Daniel and I 
we have a great talk. I found him surprisingly romantic. We talk about the power of crying. We talk about platonic female friendships, what he learned from having a female best friend. Also, getting good at sex before you settle down with your partner and what it means to have the opportunity to propose to your partner. He also tells us about his proposal. We have a great listener question. Please write in. I love getting to the questions. AMA at Betches.com. Also, if you're like, you know what? I got a question, but it's not necessarily in the format of like asking men's advice on something, but I just kind of, I just got a question. You know, I love the chit chat. So write it in and maybe we can get to that too. I love hearing from you guys. Here's today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate you. Here's our episode with Daniel Sloss. I didn't realize how much you just look like the infinitely healthier version of me. Oh my like, God, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Just like the nice, version, the nice version of my hair, the better fucking jawline. Oh God. It's like looking at an American Absolutely five not. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I appreciate that though. But when I was, I was, uh, I've watched, I've watched your stuff before. I, I think you're awesome. And I feel like whenever I do, I'm like, I got to start like digging deeper and like expanding my vocabulary. So that's nice for you to say the healthier, but I just, um, I just make up words and the accent makes it sound like I'm intelligent. <laughs> it's all a con. It's all a con. I, um, this is, I don't know if someone has ever said this before. This is a very strange thing, but when you, when you're in one of your specials, when you're talking about your parents going to your sisters, I'm coming in real high. Yeah. But with, with going to your parents, you're going to your sister's grave, yeah. and that they would do it weekly. I texted my mom, and I was like, I was like, hey, do we ever go to any of our relatives' graves and like keep it up? And she was like, shit. So <laughs> a weird, <laughs> a weird byproduct that was like an educational moment because I don't think we had got, we would maybe do it like once a year. And then, but because of that, I th hopefully she started going by more often. So yeah. thank you for that awareness. It depends how many there are and how close they are to you. Like I, you got to sort of keep up your daughter's grave, but I think your grandparents, true. you could let them go. Like, yeah, that's true. You know, how, how special a pop up or a meemaw were you that you deserve weekly fucking treatment? Yeah, weekly you did absolutely. That's true. At least, at least like twice a year, or something now. Yeah, th which is why I think, man, for me, cremate me and throw me into the wind. Like, let's. I want zero upkeep for the rest. Rip my organs out, give them to someone who needs it, and then just burn me alive and throw me in absolutely. the ocean. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Hundred percent. Yeah. I don't. I definitely do not want to be like. Because I, I could see that I could just see one of those situations where they bury me, but I'm not dead. I just have a feeling that's like what would happen, yeah. and then I'd just be stuck, you know, yeah. stuck down there. And yeah, an accidental cremation still ends up with you dead, so it's the best case. Like right. you're not you're not waking up from a wrong cremation. Like it's either way, you're safely out. Are you doing anything for Valentine's Day? Oh man, this is uh, so funny. So uh, me and my friends, my three friends from high school, uh, organized to uh, meet up and connect our Xboxes together so we could play. Oh, <laughs> so, so we could play like all the same game, and the, we do it once every two or three months, just whenever I'm back That's from so tour. Cute. Um, yeah, my all of our wives make fun of us because it is us just regressing to being 14 years old. We go around, we set up our TVs, we play a game together until three in the morning, and then we all drive back home at 7 a.m. for our kids. Um, and we organized it for Valentine's Day. None of us realized it was uh, Valentine's Day. 
Uh, oh no! No, no. But so, important clarification: <laughs> none of our wives give a fuck about Valentine's. It's been established. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's been established for years that we don't do anything on Valentine's Day. Like my, uh, my me and my wife, our anniversary is technically on Valentine's Day, and she hates that so oh, wow. much that she's like, "It's not. It's three days afterwards. We're just going to lie to people." She doesn't want. Is it? Did you guys meet on Valentine's Day, or was that like when you made it official romantically? We were in New York. Uh, she'd like we'd been seeing each other for see like in secret for a year she came to new mm. york and i was like this is the test let's find like we've only spent 24 hours in each other's company if we want to find out if we do actually like each other come to new york let's see what happens and then it was valentine's day and then i got i told her i loved her because I, I loved her and then you know yeah all when you guys first met like all in that no that, like, no no we'd been oh, 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 we'd was... been doing heinous things to each other's bodies for a year in private <laughs> like we this was I, we we test drove the car for a long time <laughs> that's a great way to say it <laughs> we've been doing heinous things yeah, yeah if something if i'm not exploring someone heinously i'm not interested yeah, yeah. i want to let's let's get yeah. heinous we, we 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 fucked each other with the reckless abandon of two people who never thought they were going to get married like it was it was like oh this is oh. yeah 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 isn't that the truth i look back on like my girlfriend and i first got together i used to now i, I don't know like i used to show i would show pictures of her to like guys and now to be totally clear she this is something she had said that she was she was like cool with yeah, and okay yeah, right? yeah, yeah. but she'd be like oh it's okay you know it, her face would never be in it she's not an idiot like you, you know she mm -hmm. always you, you gotta that's a big red flag i think if someone includes their face in a sexual pic but like i'm like do you not have anything to live for but <laughs> she was like you can show these pictures and i was like great and i would but now i look back and i'm like i would never show just like people like, oh, look at look at this, look at this. 100%, like, 100%. Like now if someone even, if they're like, can I see a picture of her feet? I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Like, who, who, <laughs> you know what I mean? But in the beginning, there is a there, you there, just say. There, there, is a, there is a video of me. Again, this is from the years of me and my wife not thinking we'd ever been together. There is a video, uh, which again, similar thing. I, I, I asked permission to send it. Her head wasn't in it. It's me, yes, doing, yes. A, it's me doing a line off of her breasts and saying, Ooh. and saying, girl, Mondays into the camera and I sent it to a bunch of my guy friends and we me and her laughed about it my guy friends laughed about it and then I married her and now they all just have that like I trust my boys they're like we deleted it sure. you know, it's, it's the you know it's, it's the love of your life will have respect but it is weird to think that that is that totally. girl Mondays girl is the love of your right. life none, none of us thought that was going to be the case they're all sitting at the wedding like well this took a this took a twist we yeah. had no idea yeah well that's why she got the the approval for so many I got my my boys lobbied me to marry my wife for a while mm. not that I would not that I never was gonna but like of from, course. from a guy perspective if they're if your guy friends are loving your like your partner that's a very very good sign I, I think in terms of how totally. fun, fun she is and how much you know she fits in yeah how would you say the concept of masculinity has changed in general from when you were a little little baby Daniel? Um, I, masculinity was uh, like I, it was never something like um, I was like encouraged to be masculine overly. Like I wasn't discouraged mm. from, from showing my emotions. I've always been quite an emotional person. 
Um, but my father is what I would typically describe as a, as a manly man. Like he's very good at fixing things around the house. Like he can put up a shelf, he can put up drywall. He's very oh, good those at- damn shelves. Yeah, he's good at computers, like this old school, like, you know, cause that's why his, his dad did. I was, but I, I've also, I, I saw my dad cry plenty growing up. So like- Oh, wow. So like having, having emotions was never, was never not a masculine thing for me. Is that, do you think that's more, this may be totally ignorant, but do you think that's more acceptable in Scotland? Like I, I wouldn't imagine it would be, but like seeing men show emotions, cause me, I think I only saw my dad Cry twice. Oh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't cry often, but I don't like. But mm. but, I, but he never. It was never a thing that he hid when he did. Like he didn't. That's great. Yeah. He's not like me. I cry all the fucking time. Everything. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I would, I need to start crying more because I've I've got some type of problem. I don't cry. I need to do it more. It's just like all. I don't know. I just I'm weird about it. Oh, man, for, I, I want to. I used to be that way, but like for me, I, 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 it's like bleeding a radiator, man. Like it's just yeah. a really good. I remember my uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, Jean. Like she, I just remember the amount of times I would just see her cry at things. I'm like, why are you letting that affect you? She's like, this is how you get emotions out. Like this is what 100%. this is what allows them to be on the outside, so I don't bottle it up like you do and then punch a wall in twenty minutes because <laughs> you know, or like get angry at somebody on a bus because you've repressed something from earlier on in the day. Um, and there were man, I used to really fight crying whenever I felt, especially during movies and stuff. Like I and oh yeah, and nobody and I always reflected on this because it's not my dad never told me not to cry. I was never encouraged to hide and cry, but but I still even growing up, whenever I was feeling emotional about something, I personally would try and suck it up for right. reasons that I still don't understand. And it wasn't until yeah, I- Yeah, it's like a weird, maybe it's just like a new emo feeling maybe, I don't know what it is. What? what it's outside you, your comfort zone. Yeah, and also here's the thing, even though it's air quotes not a weakness, it fucking feels like a weakness. Right. Like nobody, nobody feels strong <laughs> crying. Like, <laughs> like that, yeah, true. Like if you're, if you're like laugh crying in the face of grief, then I imagine that's mm. a very powerful type of cry and I acknowledge that it exists. But a lot of the time you're crying, you're like, oh my fucking God, like, Really, Moana? That's why I'm crying. <laughs> that's that's what stirred emotions out of me today. I feel like anger is so much easier to express too. Like when I when someone like cries or shows vulnerability, that's such a more that's so much braver than showing. Because I'll get angry. All is kind of my default. Like I'll be like pissed about something, mm -hmm. but it's always because I'm scared. Usually scared. I'm scared of something. And then all, in, but in the moment, I'm like, oh, I'm just an idiot. Da, da, da. But really, I'm like. Oh, it's making me feel insecure because I wasn't special at or whatever it is. Yeah, a lot, and and a loss of power. If somebody makes you feel scared or something, like it feels like they have power over you, which is why you then sort of want to, in a really weird revenge way, want to make them scared so that you can have power yes. over them, and that's where the anger comes from. Hundred percent. Do you, are you in therapy? Uh, I, I've done therapy at a bunch of different times in my life when I was like, I need this, but I don't do totally. I don't. I don't do the American therapy of like all the <laughs> all the time. Like, oh, is that an American thing where they where we're supposed to go every week? Because I'd love to graduate at some point. Uh, well, no, no, I don't know if it's, it's it's the only place I've seen it. Well, mind you, especially in fucking East Coast uh, America, like yes. therapy's been yes. on, therapy's been in Hollywood for like thirty years. Therapy's been in Scotland for about five, and mm. and like I did it where like I'd heard of all my American friends, especially my LA friends, were in therapy all the time and getting like all this feedback oh, on that's like their so psyche funny. and I never stuff. Thought of that. Whereas right. for me, it was like let's get to the bottom of this problem that's making you angry. And then when I knew what it was, 
I like, I remember one time going back into the therapy and my therapist was like, how's your week? And I was like, right. And she was like, well, then you don't need, then we're done. Like if, you know, if there's nothing else, then if you, you, you came with a problem, we got to that. If it's not affected you for a month, um, let's not just look for new problems for no fucking reason. Wow. Because I'll ruminate in therapy all the time. I'll say the same, like I circle on the same thing. And sometimes I'm like, I'm sick of my goddamn self with this. Yeah. I mean, I'll come in, my therapist named Barbara, maybe I'll come in and say, I, I, I thought about it and I'm not upset about the same things anymore. And then I'm just going to stare at it and see what she says. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and I'll be like, so... So we done? Yeah, we graduate. Uh, I do want more of the like the therapy that you get, which is the, like I would love to know why the things that piss me off do piss me off. Sure, I would. Yes, I would really like to like be able to self-diagnose better, and I think that is an advantage of going to like prolonged therapy and constant. Then you sort of work out what your ticks are. Whereas it takes it, a lot of the time, my, my wife doesn't diagnose me with anything, but she'll notice my text because like, I, I mm-hmm. she'll know when I'm about to get angry at something or whether I'm depressed about something or whether like I'm internalizing something. And she's like, okay, what's what's happened on the phone in the last five minutes that's making you angry about whatever? Um, and the, I, don't, I don't know about you, like I remember the first time I went to therapy, it was after I had a big tour where all of my dreams came true. So obviously that wasn't enough. And I was working. Were you de- super depressed then? Oh, the most miserable I've ever been in my fucking life. Um, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I, but I was also on the road too much. Like I was, and I was, sure. I was drinking constantly. I was smoking weed every day. I wasn't going to the gym. I, I was doing myself zero favors in any of it. it. Fucks you up. Yeah, and I remember going to therapy and like getting to the bottom of a bunch of things and like sort of realizing that like I had anxiety in the same way that everyone does, but like I never saw it as that in myself. I just see sure. that as like being like really on point about things, and I, um, and I remember coming back and telling my now wife, being like, "Oh, so I th- we spoke about this, and we spoke about this, and I would talk about my insecurities and how I would spiral and all of this like stuff that would go on in my head." And she's listening because she's perfect, and she's like, "Oh wow, okay," and she's asking questions. And at the end, I was like, "Do you ever do you, do you ever feel like do you, do you get any of these anxious thoughts?" And she's just stood there for about half a minute and she just went I think I just have a quiet brain (gasps) and I just remember going oh my god you have a fucking superpower like I've always made fun of you for like just like you know I've always called her a simple northerner um, Mm. because she's just from the north of Scotland and we make fun of them down here Um, but she's just so happy and doesn't worry about things and has this really peaceful mind that oh and I, I didn't know that was a fucking option like she yeah, can just be sitting there and just having thoughts, just nice thoughts. And if she's having a bad one, she'll ignore it and it'll just fuck off like a psycho. That's wild. Oh, that's mental, so, mental. I think, I think that's like what people, like what we're supposed to be trying to get through, like to like with the, I feel like that's like what the more enlightened way, that, that's like part of the process of like, as you work on stuff, like to try to get to, to have it be the baseline is calmer instead of so extreme. Yeah, yeah. I like, think. My version of control is to imagine every awful scenario all the time and then work totally. out what I can do to, if that does happen, uh, what I can do. Whereas she lives in a world of maybe the worst thing won't happen all the time. And she's right, she's right 99.9% totally. of the time and she's happier, she's nicer. When me and our friends hang out, all of my friends prefer her. That's why they were encouraging <laughs> us to get together. She's a fun person. She's not 
fucking mental like I am. That's such a nice way, default. I feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, if I used to think what I would want, I would be like, I, don't, I would just want this, this. Like it was always like just grabbing and stuff. And now I'm like, I just want the most like propensity to have some sense of serenity at some point, yeah. some points, some calmness. That's what I want. I'm busy on the go and don't always have time to go to the grocery store and pick out what I'm going to eat for the week. Thankfully, I found ButcherBox. They take the guesswork out of shopping and cooking with a great selection of fish, chicken, beef, and more. And their cuts of meat are always way better than anything I would find in the grocery store. I love their chicken thighs. Best chicken thighs I've ever had. I swear on my mom. With ButcherBox, you can easily find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. I can get 100% grass-fed, beef-free-range organic chicken and wild-caught seafood delivered straight to my doorstep. I don't even have to mess with going to the store. Plus, they have free shipping always. And because this is really important to me, with ButcherBox, all the meat is humanely raised. That means no antibiotics or added hormones. You can curate and customize what you want in each box. And if you're feeling uninspired in the kitchen, they have an entire catalog of delicious recipes to get you started. All I have to think about is what I'm going to binge watch on TV while I enjoyed ButcherBox's high quality cuts. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash AMA and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash AMA and use code AMA to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When did you become aware of gender as a concept? When do you think kids start acting differently towards one another based on gender? Oh, I, I mean, I pretty, pretty early doors. Like I remember like like at my school, all the boys played f- football, soccer, and you know, the girls. What was your school? Cause you started doing comedy when you were 17, but you stayed in school, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or did you stop at set? When did you stop going to school? I started stand up at like the age of 16. I wasn't very good at it, but like I, wow. I, had, a, I had a couple of gigs while in school. Like I would be in class and my mum would be at home on the internet for me, like on the comedy forums, booking me gigs, pretending to be me online. That's amazing. So, and then be like, you've got a gig tonight at fucking eight in Glasgow. And I'd be like, oh, great. And then some of my friends would come to the show and some of them wouldn't. That's so, 16 is such a little baby. Yeah, oh God, yeah, 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 absolutely. And, but, um, I, I mean, late end is, uh, I considered the first time I did get 17, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing it half of my fucking life now. Just your brain alone, like the developmental, like where you're at developmentally, it's just like, a, that's a lot on your on your brain. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. And I've definitely got fucking arrested development. I've got a dumb fucking, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an overly intelligent man. I can sound intelligent and that's the fucking con, but like, you know. Um, that's the key. For me, growing up and loving stand-ups, stand-ups were always intellectuals to me. Like, even, mm. yeah, and now as a comedian, I know they're fucking not. I know they're fucking, uh, they're all the dumbest person you've ever fucking met in your life. And they just have the ability to talk on stage. And because that's like the number one fear in the world over spiders and death and fire is public speaking. For some reason, people who can't do it, which is most of society, revere it so much that what we do looks intellectual. 
detrimental. And it fucking isn't. It's observation. Swear words are talking about coming most of the time. I always try to say, I'm like, just, I, I'm like, I want to be totally clear. Like you practice what you say a lot. It's like, we, we practice it. Yeah. Like, How'd you do that? And I go, well, you know, you, you say the same thing a bunch of times. And then, so it's like, it's very tailored to, yeah. you know. And anytime, anytime I've ever been wrong, I've deleted that from the joke and I've refined it over and over and over again. It's all a fucking con and you're fa all falling for it. Please still love me. What was your friend group like when you were a little kid? Um, so we had, so my, across the road from me, there was a girl called Verity. And mm. uh, so we went to this, we went to the same primary school. So, I, so I'm pretty sure that most of the time we would either walk to school together or walk back. Uh, and because she was across the road, she was always part of our uh, friend group. And then, and then we got into football and soccer. Boys are, you know, we could run around, kick each other and, you know, fart and be gross. Um, sure. So in primary school, it was lots and lots of boys. But I know, but, that, but we were in such a small school. Like our primary school, we had twenty kids in our class. Eleven were boys, nine were girls, and there were only maybe like sixty other kids in the whole school as a total. Damn. Yeah, real small. It was coastal Scotland, man. Fucking tiny. I went to a school like that too. I went to a small Waldorf school. I'm from Maine, and then my whole school had like 110 kids in it, kindergarten through eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go to high school, and it's like a thousand kids. And you're like, oh, what the fuck is this? What the fuck? What is this new social ecosystem that I am not prepared for at all? Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. What would you say your most feminine trait is that you like about yourself? Oh God, I I don't mind being sensitive and, and, and I enjoy being in touch with my emotions because I think being emotionally intelligent serves me so well. Mm. I don't argue with my, me and my partner very rarely argue. Um, and that's because I'm I'm good at communicating. And, and and when I'm not good at communicating, she's emotionally intelligent enough to work it when I'm, you know. Oh God, I mean, I, this is also, I, this feels like a trap question. So I'm like, what am I describing as a feminine quality? But then Sure. I'll wear, man, I'll wear fucking anything. I might think it looks good on me and not really give a, Fuck. Hell yeah. Like I'll wear something. I've never cared about wearing like pink or purple or in your face sort of shit. Um, and when I was younger, it was definitely because it was like a peacocking thing. I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, which I, which is a more, you know, a, a toxic masculine thing. But whereas now I do it because I'm just like, um, I like this, this makes me happy. So fuck it, there it is. And pink and purple is tough. Pink, especially with our complexion is really hard to pull um, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a great communicator, were you always, was it more when you started being with your wife that like brought the great communication out on you? No, no, I, my, I was always in my family, it was always like, if you can, if you can talk your, you can talk your way out of being mm. in trouble. If you can explain, mm. if you can explain why you, re you acted the way you did and justify the way you did and explain yourself uh, without, you know, getting fucking too angry. And again, as, oh, a, as, as a teenager, I yelled all the time. Me and my dad argued all the time. I was too scared of my mum to, not scared, she was just, mum, dad would tell you what he was gonna punish you with and mum would just leave the thread in the air. And that was always just mm -hmm. more, that was more powerful. Um, and uh, yeah, and my mum was very much, if I, could, if I could justify things to her, like I, I swore, I've swore my entire fucking life. Uh, it's got hmm. nothing, my parents don't swear. I didn't fucking learn it from, I just swear. It's how I express myself. And I could ju and I could justify to my mom why I was I, I was allowed to swear, and she would be like, "Okay, well, you know, it doesn't fucking bother me. Just don't do it in school where I, you're, I I'm going to I'm going to get in trouble for it." Um, 
I, I love that. That's such a good, that's a great parenting tip on something because I feel like if someone can explain where they're coming from, I think that's like everything. Because if you know, it's like what you do, but then you can backtrack and say, I did it for this reason and this is why I did it. And this is, because then someone can also say, well, if you thought about it like this, it gives you, leaves you, there's like a paper trail of the action so you can examine it better. Oh yeah. And look, and if I did something bad, my parents would tell me that they thought what I did was sure. bad and there would be a punishment in place and they would explain it, but they would make sure that I understood what, and, and again, the more the more I understood why what I, I'd done was wrong. And most of the time, man, I, I, I knew instantly. Like, here's the thing. You're a teenager. Right. You do something shitty. Like, and a lot of the time, part of growing up is is pushing things too far and then dealing with the reaction. And hopefully that's when your empathy kicks in and goes, mm. oh, God, I, that didn't make me feel good. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I feel really bad about that. The last thing you want after that sort of internal lesson is a further admonishment like it's you're already mm. beating yourself up for the thing of like oh god i made this person cry because of the thing i said you don't need your parents on top of you then making you like yelling at you for doing it you feeling worse you then shouting back at them and now it feels like you have to defend the awful thing that you said it's the pile on yeah 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 with matt the number the number one thing i, I mean I, I explain this in my specials as well men matt yelling at men just doesn't work and, and god mm. we all we all wish it did it would be the world would be, <laughs> the world would be an amazing place the world would be an amazing place if yelling at men made them listen and stop and do but it doesn't so and, and god god knows we deserve it and god knows it must feel nice to get off your chest but just as a bloke, sure. i can tell you even if i am 100 fucking wrong and I am aware that I'm 100% wrong. If you shout at me, I will defend that fucking point for no reason other than you're yelling at me. And that's stupid and it's dumb, but it's it's an unchangeable fucking fact. I wonder what it is. I wonder because if someone yells at me, I shut down. Like I'll get, a, I'll just be, I'll shut down and I check. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right, or yeah. whatever I say, or maybe take a break and then start to defend it. What do you think? It, you think it's just like a fight or flight response? Like someone's yelling at you, so then you feel like you have to like go to war or yeah. what do you think it is? Yes, I think, it's, and, then, and then you feel, and then once you defend something, it's because you're, defend, you're defending your character, but in defending your character, right. you're defending this other thing. So you then think that this part of, this thing that you're defending becomes part of your character, which it isn't. Your characteristic mm. is that you're just defensive. And I think, right. I think a lot of the time, this is why, you know, like some, my, I think sometimes men just need more time to process things and work out. Oh, totally. Way. Yes, I relate to that too. To like hundred percent, I go. I'm thinking about. It. I'm thinking yeah. about it. It's, there's such a delay time. Yeah, and it's also like sometimes, uh, sometimes people explaining to me how they are feeling. Like I can listen to it and I take it on board, but it takes me a while to step back on my own visceral reaction mm. to be able to have the empathy to go, man, there is a long time during an argument where I will not see it from your point of view. It's not that I don't want to, it's just that I'm so fucking riled up that my consciousness is right behind my eyes. So I am fully me just now. I can't separate from this. I just need an extra time to take a fucking breather, to play Xbox, to do something <laughs> that just takes me out of this false sense of who I am at this point I'm defending to to then go back. And I mean, and that's why, you know, so many times in my fucking stand-up, when I like attack men for certain things, I'll make sure that it's done in a way that I know you how to effectively communicate with men. Don't make them, don't make them feel attacked. Always be like, hey, I love you because men don't hear that enough. I think you're great mm. because men don't hear that enough. And I and two nice things, here's the negative fucking thing. Please listen to me. We're all here for a discussion. I think you're great. But yelling at you is just going to make you defensive. If I can make you feel like you're on my side, then we can look at this thing together. Then it's 
that easier way to, and a more effective way to communicate with men, I believe. A compliment sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I know that sounds pathetic, but I, the man that is, I can, as a man, I, as a successful man, I can tell you Seeing that. what works. Yeah. Compliments and men don't get. I get complimented a bunch because I'm a fucking setless celebrity and I do shows right. with an audience. But I can tell you, the average man doesn't get compliments very, very often. So it's such a tricky. It's such a tricky cycle too, because it's like it's like there's the not the giant level where it's like I guess it's like you're getting complimented in one way because like you get more, but then on the micro level, it's like because you see, it's like we see men just getting more stuff or whatever it is, like getting paid more or whatever, then it's like, oh, they don't need the, an individual doesn't need a compliment because on a broad sense, yeah. they're getting more things. But then what happens, it, that's kind of why it's like not good for anybody because then it's like when you do interpersonally, it's like, well, guess what? No one's getting any compliments and that's not good for your head. No, and that's why, you know, it, it, it men fucking hate themselves to a much higher d degree. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously don't know what the fucking solution is. Otherwise, I'd be a millionaire. But oh, man, imagine you had the solution. Imagine, imagine, imagine yeah, yeah. you're like, and that's why. <laughs> imagine. Yeah. Well, that, so but that's that's what that's why it's so easy to like get young men so radicalized because all mm -hmm. all it takes all it takes is somebody going, hey, I can take away the self-loathing, and that's why you have people like. Andrew Tate swarming up because he's the one of the few people that isn't attacking men, making them feel like they're part of the problem and all this stuff. And and here's a cure. Here's a cure. It's not your fault. That's why they flock to him. That's why there's you know at least from my perspective. I never seems... thought of it like that. Yeah, it's like it's like they're it's like they're getting a compliment online where it's like saying like hey like you're okay. And then it's just the package. It's like it's good to tell someone they're okay, but then it's saying okay. It's like you're okay. Oh, but then also we hate these people or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. That's kind of okay. how they start yeah. to get you. Yeah, you, you're okay. You are loved by us, and also you don't. Right. You don't need to change because these things aren't flaws. All these things that you've been told to hate about yourself are actually really, really good things. Um, and uh, but I mean, the alternative is there's other ways to love yourself. Uh, right. and to and to find peace within yourself uh, and and it's not isolating yourself within a certain community that will support you regardless of anything it is branching out like I the to go back to the, the question of like when I became good with my emotions well, I became more and more empathetic in my early 20s because mm. that's when I just started having just lots more female friends in my life like in, mm. the, in the same way, when I got into comedy, I became more liberal because I met fucking way more gay people and trans people, types of people totally. I, that I'd never met in my life in coastal Scotland. Like right. the, then going into the arts and being surrounded by all and being like, oh my God, other people have life experiences and they're so different to mine. And I can ask questions and I can ask them in like a really ignorant way because we're all fucking young and ignorant who gives, gives a shit. Um, my one of my best friends in the world. Her name is uh, Jean. Uh, I all through my early twenties, she was like my moral compass when I was. No, mm. she wasn't my moral compass, but she was somebody who would uh, admonish me correctly whenever I was just being a bit shitty, and she would do it from a girl perspective. And it would she would she would admonish me for different things that my male friends would uh, critique me for, and then also being friends with her. And this sounds so stupid, and I know women will roll their eyes and be like, God, I can't believe that's all it takes for me to see things, but sometimes that is the case. Me seeing her going on dates, uh, being treated by men, really made me mm. go, oh, like seeing her come home, like after dates where she'd either been broken up with or it hadn't gone well, and I was, uh, 
when I'd only ever been the other side of that, being the one that was there to occasionally pick up the pieces or mm. or, or on the opposite side, hear the really good parts and then, you know, have the crushing weight of reality come three weeks later. I would, I, it took me a while and it took me far too long, but that was when I suddenly became more and more aware of it. It humanizes the actions. Would you, would you have um, dates of yours get threatened by the friendship? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yes. And it was, a, mm. uh, yeah, which was such a weird, well, man, look, I get it. Um, and now, first of all, me and Jean had, me and Jean had sex very early on. Like, I, like the reason, the reason we were so comfortable in our friendship with each other was because we had sex once and we were like, hey, that's not. Totally. That which, was, which makes sense to say, hey, we went there and it didn't connect for us, but then someone might be like, oh, so you were attracted to each yeah. other. And you're like, but I feel like once someone's like, I don't know, I don't know if it's a maturity thing or comfortable with yourself thing or trust, the, tr whatever it is, it's like, I do see how like, once you have actually crossed that physical line, you're like, see, we knew there's no, so we got it out of the way. Oh, there's just nothing there. Yeah, man, That's it, why we can be friends. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, there was, there was, I mean, there was an attraction there. We tried it, it wasn't for us. And then also then I lived, like we lived together for two years when I was at like my most fucking single and she was at her most single and there was no, mm. throughout those years, there was nothing like, I mean, no, it was just, we would come back and, you know, decompress and, talk about like the dates that we've gone on, how it gone. I mean, my 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 wife now, my wife never gave a shit about you. Like knew straight up very early doors. Cause when we, you know, when she saw us together, man, she's, she's my best friend. Like there, there is, right. there's nothing of like the, there's no like, oh, elongated hand touches or like right. eye contact. <laughs> she is my friend, my good mate. And um, you say you just got to see us together, then you'll understand. Yeah. And then because so, once you see people together, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. Also, like I, man, I, I, I know jealousy isn't something anyone asks for, but I find it to, it's, mm. to, it's such a red flag for me. Like it's such a like I know it comes from insecurity, but there comes a certain responsibility when it comes to insecurity. I'm going to make you feel as good about yourself, but it's not my job to make you not feel insecure. Like insecurity is coming from internally. That's an internal thing. And I right. can try the best to cure it from the outside, but it's an internal problem. That's why it's called insecurity. It's in you. Right. You have to deal with that aspect. My wife is a very, very secure person, which is good because before her, I was a dirty, dirty man whore. Like I, mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, I slept around. I was very open about sleeping around. You know, if my wife was jealous of people who I had, had been intimate with in the past, it would be a, a, a constant oh, problem a in our day. relationship. And hundred percent. And I offer her the same thing, man. I'm really, you know, she was definitely not as big a slut as I was, but I couldn't, I couldn't give a fuck how many people my wife fucked in the past. Like it's, I've never. I always I've say never, that, just, and I mean it. Oh. And I'm, I'm like, the more people you've been with, the better too, because then it means you get to know yourself more for then when you're with me. But then yeah. when we're like talking about it, like my girlfriend will be like, oh, I went on a date with someone over there. I'll be like, you went on a date with someone else. And then I do, oh. I'll be like, ah. Man, I don't want to be with someone who's, I'm the first dick they sucked. Yuck. Oh, getting, yeah, totally. Getting shit no, no. head for the rest of my life. You, you think I want to teach her how to fuck? No way. I want a seasoned pro. Like, I, I want to I meet someone it's like, hey, we're, we both got really, really good at the elsewhere, and now we're the monsters for each other. Right now, we're, yeah. now it's just going to be a Hall of Famer match every week for the rest of our lives. Only us, only you and me. But we trained, we did the innings. Yeah.
you're coming in it's like a victory lap but after you've had sex you're like, we, we learned yeah. how to do that someplace Me- Messi and Ronaldo have agreed to play 1v1 for the rest of their lives with each other right <laughs> We have an email. It's called Why to Men. Dear Emma and Man, today's man is Daniel Sloss. Check him out online. He's on tour right now. Here's the question. Why do men avoid therapy? A lot of the men in my life, stoic, outdoorsy, Midwestern types, aren't interested in the idea of therapy. Some of them are even in the medical field, but they still think they don't need it. Would offering therapy in a setting they're more comfortable in help? <laughs> I think something like fishing therapy, fishing with a therapist might be helpful for this group of closed off men or or any humans. Thanks for being awesome, lady from the Lando Lakes. So the question is why do men avoid therapy? I think most of all, especially with the older generation, uh is traditionally encouraged not to, you know, men don't have emotions men should be in control of their emotions it is a strength to be in charge of Mm -hmm. uh, your emotions and it's a weakness to express them um also you know if you man if you're a fucking liberal hating person like it's such a lefty thing like whenever you think of of hollywood whenever you think whenever you think of the word therapy it's always somebody on a couch paying too much money which could be spent on fucking groceries that's so true yeah totally and it's and it's like and men and men aren't encouraged to spend that type of money on themselves, especially on like you know their their brain. Um, I think the idea of fishing therapies is really good. <laughs> I I think you have to, I think you have to make you know men don't want to sit or men haven't been trained to sit down and just like talk about themselves. Like that's mm. not where you're going. I'm good at it because I was I was allowed that in my life, but. A lot of the time, the fishing idea is a fucking great idea because if you take men out and you allow them to have time when when it's at their own pace, where it's not, hey, this hour is when you have to speak. And you, right, because you also don't want to feel stupid in it too. So it's mm. like, you're like, oh, I got to get this all out in a certain time frame and I don't know if I can. And then I feel like I got nothing. And then, oh, time's up. Yeah, you need to fucking, you need to sit, you need to sit down. And like in the first hour of fishing, be like, when was the, when, when was the first time you ever felt your father was proud of you? And then just mm. let that, and then just let that man sit with that question for two and a half Five hours. Five fish later, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you'll be around the, you'll be around the fire, and you'll be toasting marshmallows, and he'll be like, nineteen sixty two. He, he, I, I was five years old. He needed to be passing a specific wrench, and I got it right first time. Like he'll be there, but it's and and also if 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 you he, the thing I found so often, in, especially just from a stand up thing. Me to being very open about my feelings on stage about everything and talking about my insecurities, talking about the things that scare me, but also talking about the things I fucking love about myself and like right. why I'm the fucking best and fuck everyone else. And you can suck my dick if you disagree. Like all of this stuff, I after that is when men will tell me that they felt more encouraged to talk about those things because hearing men mm-hmm. talk about things makes them feel more comfortable. Men don't really want to be uh, outliers or you know stand out really in that aspect. Like you know, nobody wants to be the first over the trenches. Nobody wants to be the last out of the trenches. But we'd such we'd a all, human thing. 
Yeah, but we'd like to go out together. And the more we see people getting up and going over, like men aren't men aren't stupid. Men are just stubborn and they're set in their ways. Like I think, you know, I, me going to therapy has definitely opened the door for so many of my other friends that have gone to therapy because I start talking mm. about it all the time. That's all it takes. And, you know, if you're a man and you're able to afford it and you can find the time and you have the strength and courage to go to therapy, make sure you do talk about it with, your guy friends. And then also don't, I mean, I think that like, when a, if a man does come back from therapy, like a fucking cat coming home, let him open up to you about a wet. Don't do it mm. like, don't do it like kid getting home from school. So what did you talk about? What I wanted to do, that sort of stuff. Like, right. again, give us the extra hours to process it. I will always talk to my wife about what came up with therapy eventually. But sometimes mm. I just need that time to, you know, after thinking about yourself for a long time, maybe give it a bit more time so you can sort out, you know, your 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 points in your head and work out where you stand. Have you ever had a therapist you're a little attracted to? No, no. That's I, good. I had, had one uh, Dutch therapist um, and I loved, I know you're not, I know the game isn't to make them laugh, but of course it's to make them laugh. I clearly was like his <laughs> only client that swore and mm. because I, because he would get so giddy whenever he was quoting me, he'd be like, so you say this thing, you're just so, and it's okay because you say this, you're just so right. fucking angry all the time. And all of these people are cunts. And there would be a right. little giggle in his face. And I'm like, oh good, I'm glad, I'm glad I bring you joy. That means I win yeah. therapy. You're like laying on extra swears for him. Yeah. Like you're like, one of the goddamn motherfucking grocery store and this bitch said this. And then he's like, oh, I get to say it now. Yeah. That's a great email. Thank you for writing in with the email. You can write in at AMA at Betches.com. But I think that's such a good point about when you start going to therapy, talking about it with people, because it's like the idea of like attraction as a form of promotion, because it's saying like, I learned this from my therapist is so much more. And then someone going, oh, I'd like to learn and have insight than that is so much I find more attractive than when someone's like, you should do this because you need to do this because you need to do that. It's much more intriguing when someone's like, oh, that's where you got that insight. Oh, shit. I'd kind of like... I'd, I'd like it more insights, you know, for myself. Yeah. Oh, again, telling men to go to therapy will not get men to go to therapy. Again, that'll be another thing that makes them go, no, no. Put them in situations where they are, they right. meet people who've gone to therapy, they're encouraged to think about therapy. Or again, done it in alter Men's therapy can just be men hanging out. Like, I, you know, out, you get five men. I mean, it'll be hard to do, but get five men to take a fucking walk through the outback. At some mm. point, they're going to sit around and it, all it will take is one person to get the the ball rolling and, and, and get people talking. Like any, a lot of the time it's fear. Like anytime I've been scared to reach out to male friends of mine during difficult times that I'm having, like there is this, just this fear of never wanting to burden another man with your struggles because you're kind of, mm. taught, you're like, okay, if I'm struggling, which I am, uh, then most likely my other guy friends are also struggling and I don't want to further burden them with my emotions. I should be able to bear. Oh, I didn't think of it like that. I should be able to carry my cross to bear. It's not fair to ask somebody else who also cross to bear to do it with me, which is a very, it's 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 the stupid selflessness of, of men being like, I'll not do it. And and the, the, the thing that helps prove that it's a wrong point is 
to think of it from the other perspective, which as a man, if any of your guy friends was to reach out to you at any point, there is nothing you wouldn't drop and do mm. to get to them as soon as possible. Your boys feel the exact same way about you. But again, it's just a lot of the time, it's not wanting to burden people with stuff that you feel is your responsibility to bear. I didn't think of it like that because I, I would have thought of it was like people would say, I'm having a hard time, but other people aren't. So then I don't want it to seem like I then am not able to do something that they can do. So I didn't think of it like that, like not oh, wanting no, to. Oh, God. Mines will be like, oh, you know, am I really going to phone my friend who I know works a fucking nine to five and he barely sees. Right. Like he barely sees his kids during the week. I feel sorry because I'm on tour and I miss my kid. Uh, I don't want to phone him up. I, and also I've got a more successful life than him. So even, even though he definitely doesn't see it that way and that, that's not how our friendship works, these are all the stuff that goes on in men's head where you just go, this, here's a thousand reasons why you shouldn't talk to your friend and, and fucking, you know. Also, you've got no idea the fucking the fear men feel. Like, if one of my guy friends were to phone me up, I'm always like, somebody's dead. <laughs> like, like very few, oh, very few, no. yeah, very few of my guy friends just phone me for uh, chat. And there is that again, knowing that there is the fear that you're going to be putting that anxiety on someone else. One of your boys just going, "Oh Jesus!" Fuck right, me. right. And then you're, and then also you're like waiting for them to be like, "Well, I'm calling you because." And then you're like, "Oh, okay, there we go." Because if they just called and talked about, I'm at the store, I'm getting some cereal, and then they're like, "All right, I'll talk to you later." You'd be like, "Yeah, about to kill oh, like, yeah. I what the fuck is going on?" He was just phoning up to tell me about his day. That's what we do his friend <laughs> yeah, like something is not okay now it's time to ask Daniel anything this is the part of the show where we try to get a little deeper inside the male mind with some questions from my guest Daniel Sloss Daniel what would you say is your most toxic trait past or present oh god so fucking <laughs> so fucking many um I still absolutely use toxic masculinity to get my guy friends to do things that I that is, is fully against their interests and um, <laughs> Like, you'll be like, if you don't do this, like, you're a wuss. Oh, right. Here is a, me and uh, 22 friends for my stag do, my bachelor party, uh, all from the UK, went to Vegas for six fucking days, which is two. That's a long time to be in Vegas. That's about four days too many. Four yep. days too long and about 20 fucking men. Too many. Like, but we're all from the UK. Like, none of so many of my friends hadn't been to America before. Most of the guys hadn't been to Vegas before. I'd been a couple of times. I loved it. I knew all we were going to do is going to turn up there, gamble, do too many drugs, and, and drink an excessive amount like Brits do abroad. And the way we peer pressured each other into because we would drink too much and you would want to stop drinking at points and you wouldn't want to do cocaine and you wouldn't want to... I've got friends who don't do weed and they were like, I never do weed. And I'm like, fuck you, it's my stag do. I want you to do edibles. And they uh, uh, were grown men who have children. None of us right. should be peer pressuring each other into anything that our old bodies cannot take. And all it took every single time for 25 men to do something was just one person going, buck, buck, buck. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was it. That was enough to get somebody at five in the morning to go to the bathroom to do another line. That was enough to get a 45-year-old father of three to do an edible at two in the afternoon out in the sun. That's all it took for somebody to get a bunch of rounds in. It was the most toxic and, and, and but also the most fun. Like, I've never laughed so hard in my life. That's um, a great insight for a way to try to get you 
turn toxic masculinity into something so that you to get something that you want i could maybe i'll try that with my dad like if i'm trying to i'm like you got to keep me in the phone plan and he says no and then i'll just go, i'll be like well, you chicken you, you <laughs> can't oh you can't afford it you can't afford to keep oh that's interesting oh god I oh my god i wonder what would happen i would be so scared <laughs> to try that tactic but i would be really i wonder what he i'd have to re you have to do it really confidently though i think because i can't seem scared to say i think you're scared so i'd have to be like what do you i'll do like what are you a chicken and then i'll hang up yeah. another toxic trait that i think is very very important uh, uh that i and i'm going to keep it as well which is I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep it yeah well when any of my friends has a vulnerable moment where they've been very open with me and they've told me something that was them bearing their soul a little bit you have to insult them at some point. There is, and you have, mm. to, you have to, you have to. Like that's part of the fucking the deal. Is I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this thing with you, and I'm gonna listen, and I, we're gonna be in this moment, and we're and we're going to give up all the fact that we've known each other since we were teenagers, and we we're gonna give up the fact that all we want to do is call each other a slur, and just and and just and, and pop the prick of awkwardness of us having a real human moment. For five minutes, mm. we're allowed to have that, but. I have to say something to break the tension. And also, if you don't say something to break the tension, then that's kind of scarier as a man, because it's like, oh, you don't think I can take it. Like, I, here's the vulnerable bit, but then also the way we get back to the illusion of strength is by making mm. fun of the thing again. Open, mm. Opening up, there's the pearl, and then let's seal it back up with being horrible to each other. Like, I always think, the 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 funniest moment and the and, and the and the best moment of after any sort of death or a grief moment is the first time your friends are willing to make a joke in front of you. Mm. The first the first it's, and that's so important because you're they're your friends and they wouldn't do it without love, but they also wouldn't do it with callousness. So they think that this is the moment where they're testing the ground. To, it's like okay, are they back? And I don't know. It, it, it's laughing in the face of that. Hundred percent. It kind of shows a way of. It's like when people joke around with some. It's like a comfort level to show that someone's willing to like joke around with you about something that they know is hard. That they're putting themselves out there too to then say like, "I'm with you in this," and like, "How can we like process it this moving forward way too?" Yeah. You've been publicly outspoken about issues like sexual assault. How can men be better allies to women when it comes to that topic? And how should men talk to other men about it? Well, I mean, in terms of just calling it out, you know. Call it out when you see it, and it doesn't have to be in a, if it's with a guy that you know who is being pushy and forward and creepy. Because I've had it happen in my life with my friends. What you should do, the thing that I have failed to do uh, in the past, is is just explain to me again. You don't men know how to talk to men. You'd be like, man, I know you think you're coming at it from a certain angle. That's not how it's coming across, and it's very important for you to understand that this isn't how you're being perceived. I understand what you're trying to do, but this is what's actually coming across. Give them the moment to reflect and give them the moment to correct. Now, if they don't do it after that, and it's and it's patterned behavior, and that's when you have to start, you know, cutting men at your life, getting aggressive with them, telling them that you know, putting a fucking foot down. And putting a bit of fucking fear into them, being like, okay, you know, I've told you this before. I don't like the way you, you do that. You've done that again. It is a fucking serious problem, and I'm going to make it my mm -hmm. problem. And I'm going to make it my problem. And in situations when women feel like they aren't being listened to, make sure that you are listening. Uh, and 
don't get me wrong, it's important to listen to both sides, but like, it, just understand how much courage it takes for a woman in that environment to say totally. everything out loud. And and that, look, it, are there people who lie about things for attention? 100%, but it's, it's 2% of the problem ever, if that. So let's give women the same benefit of the doubt that we would give our fucking boys in this scenario and listen and when it's happening regularly pay more attention like it's it it I don't even think of it as fucking pol policing think of it as keeping everyone in check because nobody wants this to happen again i've thought before too there's been like scenarios where i've seen this hasn't happened in like a really long time but i just remember there's a couple scenarios i've seen instances where like and it, it was it was very like subtle, but it would be it happened where it was like a gay guy kind of like grabbing a straight guy and they were friends and like laughing. And then I remember I but I remember something felt a little uncomfortable and it was like out like at like somewhere that, you know, a very like public space. And then I remember years later, the straight guy was like, that was so uncomfortable and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, damn, I was like, I remembered that mm -hmm. and I felt that it felt a little weird. And I was looking back at it because I was like, I didn't know what to say in the it, it was really like it because it, it also it was like happening so fast like and it was and it was just in a way where it was like the person was kind of like grabbing the person's back yeah and so i remember like the synapses in my brain where i was like you know when you just get like a ping where you're like hmm something doesn't feel quite right but it's like all right you know we're, we're out in like a very public space it's very well lit this was like eight or nine years ago and it's like maybe this is the way people like are just shut but i knew something felt a little weird and then i look back where i was like i should have been i should have been like hey we're not doing that or just something some type of joke or something but it, you you just get this like instinctive feeling where you're like oh something doesn't feel right and it can be hard to do something in the moment because it can be hard right. to process what's happening especially when it's like a gray area thing where you're kind of like yeah. We're, all, we're all joking around, but like you remember it if it feels wrong too. Yeah, but the important bit to remember it is it's it's never it's it's never too late to do something, right? Mm, true. Even even if you miss the one moment where you're like, oh god, I should have said something in that moment. That's fine. That's you acknowledge it. And they're like, hey, okay, next time I'll try and be better in my reaction if if I see that thing happen again. But you still have all of the time afterwards to c correct the behavior. And it's probably too right. And you can still correct the behavior afterwards. And also you can do it in a less tense way. Instead of, you know, one of the advantages to being too late is to then be like, hey, the other day when we were all out drinking, I thought about that thing along. Uh, can you explain to me how it felt for you? Because for me on the outside, mm -hmm. it looked like this and that made me feel really bad. And I don't like thinking about you that way. And then, you know, people, the more they think about it, if you're able to point out this fucking behavior to them, I want to see the goodness in, in most people. I want to think that most of the time it's an ignorant fucking thing. It's, it's totally, it's um, that, and which is of course not to say that there are not predators out there, that there are not creeps out there, people who are absolutely hiding in plain sight and, and using the fucking awkwardness of these situations to get away with it. And that, right. and that is what you have to be on point for. That's why you have to listen to every survivor of any type of predatorial situation. And if you're too late in the moment, just just try and always be on point. My whole thing is that I've been too late a bunch of times and I regret those times. I didn't say the right thing at the right moment. I didn't pick up on my friend's uh, repeated behavior. And those are massive failings on my part. But since then, I've tried to make sure that I don't let that happen again. Just grow and learn like all good men do.
grow and learn. What's the manliest thing you've ever done and how proud of it are you? Uh, oh God, what's the manliest thing I've ever done? <laughs> Fucking, it's a short list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I've, I mean, anytime I change a car tire, feels oh, yeah. like I feel like uh and I've done it I've done it by myself fully like jack fucking all the way up wheel off oh the other day it was my son's second birthday and I built him a little fucking kitchen while just drinking out of, a, out, of, out of a bottle I'm like this is good this feels like fucking real dad Shit, just listening to a podcast. I love it when it's a kid thing too. Your son must have been so excited. Oh, he loved it. He was over the fucking man. Couldn't believe it was for him. Can an attractive woman compliment a single guy without them assuming romantic interests? Yeah, but you gotta, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a man will just be shocked that you fucking complimented him. But, mm. uh, and that'll take a while to process. But yeah, you, it, when it comes to phrasing and how you pitch it, and also what part of them you're complimenting. Like if you're complimenting mm. their looks, um, which which I think is a nice thing to do to guys because they don't get it a lot. But like you can also like compliment parts of their personality, compliment like the 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 way they carry themselves in conversation, compliment their their confidence, their uh emotional maturity things that you encourage bits of them that you compliment bits of them that you want to encourage as well mm. like i promise you if you tell a man that he dresses well on one day like since he'll have never been told <laughs> that before he'll be like oh my god i should start i'd really like how that made me feel and now i'm going to pay more attention right. to how i how i dress i remember the first They're thing i wear that shirt every day yeah man i, I remember i remember once i made i made my I, I tried to make fried chicken once and, I, and my wife said it was the best fried chicken she ever had and for like three weeks she was just like stop fucking making fried right. chicken man like, <laughs> no I, more fried chicken please <laughs> it's so good but yeah I think you should compliment men more I think it's not in a way to make them fill into themselves but just because complimenting anyone is a really nice thing to do I just think as human beings we should you know point out the things that we love each about each other as often as we point out the things we hate each other I'll try to compliment guys at the gym like, like when they just are like lifting heavy things or like just I'll kind of like like if they're doing something like that I just think is cool I'll kind of like look at it and do like a thumbs up yeah. and I'll be like and then usually just, they're kind of like what and then I go oh, you look good and then they're like oh yeah huh. go, yeah go good set trust me man men like men don't know how to take compliments so they'll catch us off guard and we'll be like oh go on and be like thought about that but we right. treasure them like starving squirrels nurture them stuff them in their cheeks keep them for months on end what are some of the biggest misconceptions women have about men I think that they're emotionally dumb um, mm. and that they're not, they're, I, I think men are emotionally intelligent. I just think the way we're, t we, the way we process things is different because of the way we were taught how to process things and because of the the roles. And also like, I, I, I think sometimes women don't understand that like sometimes, even though it seems stupid out there and it, it seems like masculinity can be this, um, oppressive, crushing thing, which don't get me wrong, absolutely is. The standards of being a man sometimes feel uh, like an awful burden to bear. Sometimes it's really nice to have a standard for yourself that, like, sometimes mm. we, sometimes we like being men, right? And and I so I like feeling really manly with my wife sometimes, like whenever I'm able to do something uh, and feel like I'm protecting her or that I'm providing for her, even these old, outdated fucking things. It makes me feel really good about myself to be able to do that. Like one of the things I often talk about is like I 
I told my wife straight up, like, I was like, if you, I, nothing would make me angrier than if she ever proposed to me. Oh my God. I talk about that with my girlfriend all the time. That's so funny you mentioned that. I know it maybe is politically incorrect, but so safe space, yeah, ter- yeah. just on a personal level, totally. That I would be shook. I would run away. I'd say, oh, this isn't going to work out. I'd kick the fucking ring out of her hand. I would mm. never forgive her. Like, if, if, you're, if your partner, if your male partner has explicitly expressed to you that proposal isn't that important and that that they have a different idea of what marriage and engagement is then that's absolutely fine but do not overlook the fact that like women grew up traditionally thinking about their own weddings about their maid of honor about the dress about the flowers about everything men and, and men don't think about any of this stuff blah 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 but i guarantee you the one thing every single man in the entire world has thought of is getting down on one knee and unless mm. you have a partner who has explicitly expressed to you that that is not his wish, do, don't take don't take away our wedding dress. Like, and I and I know <laughs> and I know tradition is stupid, and I know it's like this outdated thing, and this person thinking like, hey, it's very easy to make fun of. Why is it this way? Oh, because of an old fucking set, more sexist time. I promise you, that's not what he's thinking of. I promise you, he's not up there being like, this is how I'm going to get that lady from forty sheep from the dowry from her right. her father it's not that it's you grew up imagining walking down the aisle and I grew up imagining getting down on one knee where did you propose oh the fucking the, the, the walk that me and my wife did every day during COVID like we were Scottish and I knew we were never going to get a fucking sunny day so we were out in our raincoats and was chucking it down I took her up to an old tower that's just across the road up a fucking hill. I gave her a bunch of love letters that I'd drunkenly written her on airplanes. Um, she walked away. Uh, I told her to fucking turn around. I think I called her a piece she of- She walked shit. away? Oh, no, she just cause like... it, no, cause it was raining and like I- Oh, okay, So okay. I gave her the, I gave her all these love notes and she was, she didn't want them to get wet. So she turned around and I'm like, perfect. I get down on one knee in a puddle and she just fucked off like under a tree and I'm like Karen you need to come back here now and she did and then and then she just took the ring she didn't even say yes she just took it straight away it was a beautiful disaster um and it's all we wanted it to be because and I mean and it wasn't like I I didn't want it to be like a big grand uh gesture you know I didn't want it to be in public like to to public it was a far away walk and stuff were you surprised at yourself that you were th- that you've become this romantic? Did it feel surprising to you, or did you realize it was romantic when you were doing it, or was it just like just probably just felt natural in the moment, and then you're like, wow, that was romantic of me? Yeah, well, I knew the I knew the love letters thing was romantic, and that was something that I planned for a while, just because my my dad used to send my mum love letters when they mm. were away from university, like they met at uni, but they'd go back to the separate parts of the country they lived in during summer. So he would write her love letters and my mum kept those love letters and I always thought that was really nice. So I just did my version of it, which was I would get really drunk on long haul flights <laughs> and write my wife uh, love letters. And they're really horrible. Me and my wife's love language is verbal abuse, right? We just insult mm. each other. We say really nasty things, but like with compliments in them. And like, so all of my love letters to her is just me calling her a piece of shit who is dumb and Whatever stupid works. and I and I hate how in love with her I am and it's all her fault, what a selfish cow. And like all this really, really hot, but then there's really beautiful, like that's just how we talk to each other. And it's just drunk and sweary. Um, 
And I knew, I know that's not the most romantic thing in the world, but what romance is to her at least, it's anything that just, anything that's just inherently me. Anything that's mm. me giving her a part of my soul. Doesn't matter how stupid that part of me is. Doesn't matter how, you know, be, how dumb and outlandish it is because it's genuinely me. And it's a moment where I went, this is something I say to men when it's like, when you're buying your partner a present, for the love of God, don't buy them a, you sometimes you'll meet a partner who wants like an iPad or a diamond fucking ring or all this sort of phys physical stuff that they can apply wealth to. A lot of women, especially a lot of the really good women I know, if you buy them something that costs less than 10 bucks, but was about a conversation you had six mm. months ago. And even though, even though it doesn't, even though you're, it, the way a man sees it is like, this is a small fucking thing that only cost me five, and that's not how I express love. I express love through uh, wealth and materialistic objects and I, because I can provide the things for her. I'm like, buddy, I promise you, if you buy her a little chameleon because six months ago you were out and she stuck this her tongue so out true. and you said you called her a chameleon and she laughed about that, I guarantee you, I guarantee you she will treasure that way more than she would treasure This is so her. true. Because it's listening, that is the premium. Because it's like it's like you listened. Yeah, uh, and because because men and men sort of go, oh, I I don't think I would see that from the other side. Yes, you would. If you talk about your sports team all of the fucking time and you right. were to wake up on your birthday or your Christmas and your partner was to buy you tickets to your favorite team playing, you will love that present all the time. Now, now oh, that's obviously one of your favorite things, but it's because you were talking about it. She remembered from a conversation right. that you said that you don't get to go to those matches as often as you did with your father when you were growing up, et cetera, et cetera. That is such a nice gesture. I got to do something like that. I got to like really listen to some like kind of, I got to listen because if I showed I paid attention that would be huge. Yeah. Like that'd be a game changer. Yeah. I got to start paying attention because I can't even think of an example to show how I pay attention, but, or something like take it out the trash. If they ask you a bunch to do that, that's a big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it at the very last moment as well, just when they're <laughs> at the final straight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then also not saying, oh, I took out the trash, I took out the trash. Like that's a big thing too. Cause it's like, well, that you said that that was going to be your, apart your yeah, apartment thing your, that you were going to do. That's your job. I always recommend if you, it, it just, when you're having a conversation with your loved one, if they ever say something like from their childhood that they loved or, or from a while ago that they saw this thing, just do yourself a favor, go into your fucking notes, pretend you're texting, take a note of that thing. Pretend you're texting, pretend you're texting another girl, yeah, whatever you gotta do. Like, uh, yeah. it's the oh, my on ex the texted phone. me. Yeah, and then seven months later, look at that list and be like, oh yeah, she fucking said that she likes cows for some reason. So I guess I'll buy her. That's a great romantic tip. And this is another question. How did you experience your wife's pregnancy? Did it change anything for you mentally? Oh God, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I knew it was, I knew pregnancy was a brutal, difficult thing to go through anyway. Um, seeing, but the birth was fucked, man. It's like, the, mm. the, it's all, it's so fucked. It's such a design flaw. Um, and like, there's nothing, there's nothing, the only, the only miracle about it is all of the science that we put into it. It's the only miracle is the medical professionals there. Everything else is just a clusterfuck of shit. Um, it made me realize how like just resilient the female body is and also the brain is like there's, I, I have a joke about this that my wife fucking hates, which is why it's funny to me. Because she remembers the birth in such a different way than I do because there's a chemical in her brain that makes her misremember some of it. Because if women remembered every second of childbirth clearly, 
none of them would ever do it again. There mm. needs to be this chemical that sort of dilutes the abject trauma of pushing a baby out of your body. Men don't have this chemical. And like my wife who was under at points, she lost a lot of blood. Like, because it was all happening to her and, and she was being looked after, she's not traumatized by any of the parts. She's like, hey, it was fun. And they took me into that room for whatever reason. Me on the outside. Yeah, and you're like, you don't know the half of it. Matt, she doesn't know the fucking half of it. She has no idea how much blood she fucking lost. She was like, she's mm. like, she wasn't there when people were like, oh, panicking and like getting the updates. You, you know, it's, um, it's, it, it, I I mean I knew it was a fact thing, and I I knew how how, how resilient we were. But to see it then and there, yeah, I mean it didn't change my perspective. But I think I always had a very I, I always knew how fucked it was, and mm. I just got super super confirmation of it. Were you watching the moment that your son like emerged? Fuck no, absolutely fucking no. Mm. Why would I? Why? Why? why <laughs> I'm not fucking trained to like watch people explode from that end. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trauma trained. I shouldn't have to fuck, man, I, I, I get queasy at like the surgery scenes in the house. Like the midwife was like, do you want to come and watch? And I'm like, under no fucking circumstance. That is your yeah, job. Yeah, cry over here. Which you're trained to, I'm going to be up here making eye contact with the love of my life and becoming aware of how powerful my peripheral vision is. Right. But, <laughs> like I'm going to see everything anyway, because like that's, you know, uh, it's it's all there, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to watch. Were you screaming while she was screaming? Was she like, ah? No, no, I was, you know, my, it's, I was, I'm, as a man, we, I'm very, very used to internalizing all of the trauma that you have and keeping it all on the inside and bottling up. And I was doing my best to, you know, I, I, I'm fine with showing emotions in front of my wife. Um, I'm fine with her seeing me vulnerable. Uh, but I think in the moment when she's pushing a fucking child out of her vagina, f- I have to be, the, I absolutely have to be a fucking rock in that moment mm. and, and get past all of the things. So it, it was not about me. It was about her. It was about how strong she was. It was about how amazing she was doing. And I was making sure, I should not be making her worry about me at any point. So right. I can't fucking faint. <laughs> You're like, I I'm can't busy. Pretend. Yeah. No, none of that. She's going through the shit. It's my job to fucking be there. Like at the very, I'm not firing the gun, but I'm passing the fucking ammo to the guy as they go through hell. What's the most ridiculous thing you've ever done to impress another guy? (laughs) Oh God. Um, Okay, not drug related. Um, drug related is fine too. Would it be? Would drug related be like taking a bunch of drugs? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Like, my, like my friends and that, like us deciding that the ecstasy tablet was going to take too long to kick in. So he was like, "Why don't we just snort it?" And I went, "Because that's not how ecstasy works." And he went, "Don't be a bitch." And I was like, "Fucking, that's oh, ab- I'm like, that's absolutely enough for me. That's all. Like, I'm fucking. <laughs> oh God, if only you, a fucking idiot who I don't respect, thought I was going to be a bitch. Chop, chop, chop. Right. Snort, snort, snort. Headache for three fucking days. What happened when you even snort ecstasy? It, hearts for three fucking days and you don't get any of the heart. Oh, I'll tell you the fucking dumbest thing I did mm. to impress them. I did the fucking Please. bull run in Pamplona. <laughs> That's a bit. Right? right? I, mean, I love that that wasn't on the tip of the mind too. You're like, oh, you know what? Actually, through the Rolodex, I did the... Something, How something, did this come about? Something morally wrong, something ethically wrong. I knew at the time we were very aware that it like, like, oh, just because I had a friend that had done it who said it was amazing and they loved the festival surrounding it and... And all this stuff, and I'm like, well, man, I think it's a fucking barbaric piece of shit. I don't agree with any of it. And then he was just like, yeah, but they're still gonna do it. Like, you can have those feelings, 
And it's, right. it's like have, it's like being vegan, man. You can have those feelings. It doesn't stop anything. People, right. are, people are still doing the fucking festival and eating the fucking pool afterwards. You can come and get a new perspective on it and experience, and it's a cheap fucking holiday in itself. And then, it, and also, if you don't do it, we're all doing it, and you're a fucking wimp. And like, you're like, I'll like, see you down there with the bulls. Yeah, they're like, you can tell people it's for moral, ethical reasons, but we're all going to know it's just because you're scared, and that's how we're going to pitch it. So we went to the bull run, and it was terrifying, and it was it was unethical, and it was awful, and my friend nearly died. You got down in there with the bull, and the bulls running. And my at you. friend made the front page of the fucking news because he fell over on the most dangerous corner, and six bulls jumped over the top of him. Like he legitimately was nearly fucking gone. It's the dumbest thing any of us done. We can't believe we did it. Like ever, this was over ten years ago. Whenever we talk about it, and whenever people go, "What's the dumbest thing you've ever done?" I'm like, "We did the, we went on the fucking bull run, and we did it twice. First time I did it was the scariest thing I ever experienced. I fucking hated it. Like it's just fear, man. It's like running through streets while these massive bulls that have every right to kill you. Mm-hmm. I've are, seen the, I've seen clips of it before too. Yeah, that's it's that's I didn't even know they still did that actually. Oh, and they should not. It's re- like and you get there and they're like, oh, it's really safe and it's healthy now. And you're like, is it safe? They're like people haven't died in six years. And then you get to the pump. bulls like snorting coke in a corner, like <laughs> fucking hell. Well, I mean, whenever you ask you like, did anyone die last year? They're like, no, nobody died last year. But two people were found at the end of the village in a car accident without a car. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, No yeah. car in sight. Yeah. This is our final segment. It's called Who, What, Where, When, How. So we already covered why to men. Now we're going to cover the rest of the big questions. Who, what, where, when, how. Just first things that popped your head. Who do men wish their celebrity doppelganger would be? Uh, oh, right. Who do men think women are attracted to? Mm. Uh, it's going to be Ryan Gosling. It's going to be John Krasinski. Uh, it's going to be Idris Elba. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was on a plane with Idris Elba the other week, and oh, my fucking... Is he beautiful oh in person? Oh, my God. Jesus. Really? Christ, absolutely. As, like, if anything, the camera doesn't do him justice. Wow. Did you say anything to him? God, no. Because as a straight man, all I would have been able to say was yum, 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 yum. Like, it was just... <laughs> it was. Oh, a beautiful, beautiful man. Yeah, like, I, I feel like even though... I feel like, you know... As much as like, there are definitely women out there who have crushes on people like fucking, you know, Jack Black and sure. fucking Guy Fieri and just like guys who are just guys. I th- I I, th- I think a lot of men just don't believe that, so we just want to be seen as like the your standard handsome. And for us, standard handsome is any any action hero. What do men do to get over a breakup? Good men, um, fucking whiskey with the boys. Uh, you got, you got, you got it, and you, you gotta, you gotta cry and get that out. Like you gotta get that out of your system somehow. Oh yeah, if you can cry on something, woo wee, that oh. would be that's huge. Because then it probably helps you process it, so you're not like spurring into doing some other thing without thinking. Because not thinking gets you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like any time a man breaks up, they should get one good guy friend to sit down. They should uh, get a couple of old fashions and watch Crazy Stupid Love because that's a mm. really good like. <laughs> sort of getting back out there uh, movie. I, I, a really important thing after a breakup is to like maybe try and rediscover parts of yourself. 
because mm. sometimes not because the other person makes you change but because in a relationship as you grow together you inherently lose parts of yourself because True. you're growing together and when you shed someone else it's important to build yourself back up and sometimes that involves going back to old hobbies that maybe you didn't do as much maybe you know because your partner wasn't into golfing you fucking golfed left or maybe they weren't into like some nerdy shit and you were able to get back into that maybe discover new things i think self-improvement when single is so important because it's so easy to wallow in what you are no longer uh, it's it, it, it can be much better to be like oh god now i can be something entirely of my own creation that's great advice where do men learn how to look after themselves? Um, if they've got a good one, uh, their dad. Mm. Um, you know, if you've got a good dad, you know, traditionally is the one that teaches you how to sort of like take care of you. Traditionally, the guy that teaches you to shave and drive and, uh, and your moral code and your ethics. Um, and then sometimes really, really good men come from from the opposite of that. Sometimes really good men come from the lack of mm -hmm. the father. Sometimes, you know, men can see that what they lacked in their life and they can be the good version of. And, and that's why, you know, uh, you, meet, you meet amazing men who are able to break, you know, generational trauma. They're able to break the cycle of, you know, bad fatherhood and and abusive partners and alcoholism and, and all this stuff. You've got men who can see the wrong thing done and know how to to correct that the other way. Parents are so important. Like the more, like just like the role that like one, or one person can have on you too for learning how to, because the ripple effect of learning how to take care of yourself is huge. Yeah. Because when you don't know how to take care of yourself, I mean, I've spent years where I don't know how to take care of myself, but it's like not knowing how to do it just like causes so much chaos around you yeah. too. Oh, my, 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 like in comedy, it's very, very rare to have two parents that are loving and supportive. But my parents are like, my, I have excellent, excellent parents. And uh, any, any good personality traits I have, I did get from them. And any bad ones I have, that's just who I am. That's just, you know, that's the way. <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, yeah, that's who I am. When do men tell harmless lies? <laughs> well, what, when it's to get each other in trouble. Oh, when they're, when they're ripping each other. Like men, mm. I think a lot of the time men will insult each other for things that like the other person is insecure about but they shouldn't be insecure about. But it's just like, okay, I'm gonna make fun of you for this because I know you're sensitive about it. And I don't think the thing is lame, but I think your sensitivity about it is lame. Mm. Like if you're gonna do that thing, you should be fucking proud of it and you're not. So I'm just gonna make fun of it because that's how we're gonna normalize it. How do men want to be given harsh truths? You've touched on this a little bit yeah, too. Yeah, softly. Like, understand, mm. understand regardless of what you, like, how, how you perceive the world, empathy is understanding how other people perceive it. And men, especially now, especially in my generation, feel like they're being fucking yelled at all the time. Now, I know I'm not being yelled at all the time. Um, and, and, and that's taken me sort of years to understand that when, you know, when women are, are, are complaining about men, that it's not a fucking direct attack on me. But mm. that took years and years of understanding for me to get to. So and you, you're, you're extremely, like, emotionally yeah, aware, yeah. too. Yeah, and I've been encouraged in that, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just in, in, in a lucky position to sort of be that way. If you can explain, you can be as harsh as you want with men, um, but come at it from a fucking compassionate place. Do not give it, do not have it be a challenge on their character. 
allow them to explore it themselves and react to it with however they want to react to it, but give it to them in a way that they can digest it and process it as opposed to, you need to be this way. Like, give it, may, show them the problem. Men want to fix things. And even if the problem is themselves and you're trying to tell them something about themselves, offer the outside people like, hey, man, this is how you're reacting to things. This is how it looks. Is that how you're wanting it to be? As opposed to, hey, you do this and everyone thinks it's stupid. Mm. Or you do this and this is that wrong. So, hey, man, you do this. Why is that? And I guarantee allowing a man to explain why he reacted in a way will let you go, right, that's because your priority is this ending, whereas it's actually not. If this you want this to be your goal, the better way to get it is actually through this. I can see why doing this makes you think you're getting that, but it's not. If you can logically redirect and go like, hey, if this is your goal, let's just change the the, the journey. I love the phrasing of this is how it looks, because that also takes some of the heat off, because it's also saying, I'm not saying you're that, yeah. but this is how it comes across. I think that gives a nice buffer for feedback, too. And it's something that we often don't reflect on. Man, it's very, right. because we're so involved in our own world, sometimes you forget that, like, hey, you don't know the reason I'm angry. The re you don't know the reason I get angry in fucking airports. It's because I'm in airports every fucking day, and I see people <laughs> making these enough. mistakes all the time. Like, right. we're, uh, Whereas if, you, if I was to explain to any man being like, hey, I'm in airports every day, they would be like, oh, that's why you get pissed off by people right. not taking their bell off early door. Right. Whereas it takes my wife going to me, hey, I know this is your 12th airport of the fucking month, but to everyone else around you, you're <laughs> just a crazy man getting angry at an old man not taking off his bell. And I have to go, oh, fuck, yeah, that is, oh, all. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's not her being like, you're too angry, you're letting this out. It's like, hey, dumbass, just to let you know, hey, fuck it, here's a big mirror, you stupid monkey. That's, right. what, that's what you look like. But right. compassionate and empathetic. It's not who you are. This trait is just reflecting on something that other people don't have context for. The airport, ooh, ooh. That's a good. That's a good mirror for me too. Because if someone doesn't respect the boarding process, I'm irate. I'm like, oh, it's group one. It's one. It's this. This is who's boarding right now. But before I used to go to airports all the time. I didn't fucking know. I'm wandering in, yeah. wandering off. I don't know what I'm doing. Because yeah. so. because because you, you're just you're going on all day. So you're looking around. Right. You've had a couple of drinks. You're like, you right. walk up. You got your headphones off. You aren't listening to the fucking gate announcements. Right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can, I'm on, I'm on uh, all the social media, Daniel Sloss, S-L-O-S-S, -S, and I'm on fucking Netflix. I've got a website with two specials on it. Just watch my shit. Um, I'm very- And you're on tour? I am. We're, I'm gonna be, my American tour is in uh, April and May. Uh, we're not doing, the, it's it's a fucked up American tour. We're doing lots of East Coast and lots of West Coast and then some South, some of the fucking middle. We're not hitting all the places that I want to hit, but like this, I come to America every year. I will constantly be coming back because um, I love making fun of you guys and it's much easier <laughs> to do that to your faces. Is it easy to do it to the Americans' faces? Yeah, there's a the way- They love it. Americans love it. They, uh, abs Americans absolutely, like, can take criticism. You just have to have the fucking decency to do it when mm. they can punch you in the face, right? That's what, that's, they, they don't like, they don't like fucking cowardly foreigners sitting in their foreign countries yelling about how shit America is. If I'm gonna talk shit about America, I'm gonna come and do it to your faces so that you can see in my eyes that I am just joking and we're all here for fun. And then once you're doing it to someone's face too, when you're someone's getting made fun of, people are usually like, yeah, I yeah, do absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're doing it face to face. The fact that I'm saying right. it to your face 
face. It, there's just the implied side of I'm only doing this because we know right. it's safe and joke. If I'm doing it in a camera from the other side of the world, then I'm a fucking keyboard warrior. Face to face in your city, if I'm making fun of you, you know I'm doing it just because I'm a foreigner on the windup. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for sending in your questions. Please DM me at Emma Willman on Instagram. Email your questions to AMA at Betches.com for our next guest or leave us a voicemail at 201-754-8351. I'll talk to you next week when we ask men anything. Ask Men Anything is produced by Sean Kilby and Rebecca Steinberg. Editing by Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Anna Zagzag. Send your emails to AMA at Betches.com. Batches.